Welcome to Is This Real Life? A Bravo podcast that relates our favorite shows to our own lives and the world around us. I'm your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, and Happy New Year. This is actually going to be the last podcast of 2022. I am taking next week off. I have not taken a week off this year from the podcast yet. Uh, Even when I was traveling, I made sure to record in advance, and I just, I think I deserve a vacation. So I am down in Naples, Florida with my family celebrating my dad's 70th birthday and all of the holidays our family celebrates this season. My stepmom celebrates Christmas, so we have a tree for the first time ever. And she got little um, dreidel lights that that were actually my mom's that were in storage and she put them up around the tree, which is, I think, really cute. Starting in January, I will be celebrating five years of this podcast, which is absolutely wild to think about that I started this in January of 2018. I didn't know if anyone would ever listen. It was sort of a way for me to escape what was going on in my job and in DC at the time and just kind of tap into something that I really enjoy. And I would have never thought I would have been able to make such deep friendships with people I've met through podcasting, through the Housewives universe. You know, we all joke and laugh at these garbage quote unquote shows, but these shows have brought me so much. And um, this week you'll hear from two people I met through the podcast that I would have never met otherwise. Sean Richardson, who's been a longtime listener, and Taria Faison, who has become a very close friend of mine. And to think we live not too far from each other and would not have met without having each having a podcast, I mean, that's that's wild to me. Anyway, I wanted to share a few thoughts from the shows this week before we get into my conversation with Sean and Taria. So first off, I am obsessed with Potomac. It is one of my absolute favorite franchises, you all know. But like this week gave me so many reasons why I couldn't stop laughing. The reasonably shady live show, which was definitely not sold out and looked like a dress rehearsal, made me cackle. Karen showing up and taking notes on what not to do for her live show, which she claims was inspired by her friendship with Wendy Williams. I mean... I'm howling with laughter at this point. We also got an inside look into the behind the scenes of making of a music video. Candace's music video looked incredible, so much better than last year, definitely not low budget. <laughs> and it was just really fun to watch. And I'm loving her music. And she seems very humbled when she is in this place where she's making music and where she's shooting a music video and she's around other people who have, you know, more knowledge of the music industry and more experience. And she seems to humble herself before them. And that's something I feel like we're not used to watching with Candace. And so I really enjoy that. I'm also, of course, enjoying Miami. I'm finally caught up. (laughs) Um, 
obviously very upset at everything that Lenny Hochstein has been doing towards Lisa. It's unfathomable to like think of kicking your children out of the home that like their home that they all share together and kicking his mom out so that his girlfriend could come over. Ugh, just absolutely disgusting. Um, loved seeing everyone rally around Lisa and I obviously wish the best for her. Marisol is hilarious, but also a little bit worrisome. I know that she seems to kind of make it her thing about drinking and all that, but it does appear that she's drinking in large amounts and also that she doesn't eat much. And that's kind of a recipe for disaster in terms of health. I just, I like Marisol and I want her to be healthy and have a long and happy life. (laughs) If she keeps this up, I don't know. Some people get lucky and they're able to, you know, excessively drink and smoke and do whatever. But when Larsa brought up that she only had two bites of food at dinner, I felt like that was Larsa trying to say something to Marisol as a friend. But of course, because it's Larsa, it doesn't come across great ever. Also, Alexia, (laughs) I think I've heard other people agree with me on this, but she seems to be the Cuban version of Teresa Judice. She is like really into her family, probably really sweet if you were to meet her in real life. She, you know, is caring to her friends and people around her, but is sort of small minded about a number of things and a bit backwards. First, when she is defending her son, Peter, against these allegations of domestic violence and trying to explain it away that he was just trying to help his girlfriend and make sure she didn't drink and drive. I don't know. That just sounds like a tall tale. And, you know, there are ways to prevent someone from driving drunk that don't involve physically assaulting them. (laughs) And from what I remember from what went down between Peter and his girlfriend, it was actually neighbors that called the police because they were so um, worried about the girlfriend and hearing what was going on in in their apartment. So, um, and then this week we have her make this really horrible, disgusting comment to Julia, basically insinuating that a lot of Russian women are prostitutes and how she couldn't kind of get in her head that this is just a stereotype and a really not nice one at that is, you know, shocking, but also not shocking because she's the Cuban Teresa, right? And it's, she apologized to Julia because she knew she said something that was wrong, but then she didn't want to actually take accountability for what she said and listen to Julia explain how those words hurt her. And I don't know. I mean, I guess I shouldn't expect that much from Alexia, but people say she's the queen of Miami and she's the person that holds everyone together. And I just want her to show a little bit of you know, understanding of how her words can be hurtful and not be so ready to argue all the time. Also, for her to say that she didn't make any money off of like her husband who was a drug dealer, I'm sorry. She lived off of that money for a period of time. Eventually, it ran out. She left him and she built a life on her own. But to say that she didn't benefit in any way from the fact that she married a big-time drug dealer is laughable. 
And then finally on to Salt Lake City. I mentioned this in my chat with Sean and Taria, but I think I'm officially done with Heather Gay. She upset me so much watching this week's episode of her dodging questions and flip-flopping around the black eye, which is nothing to joke about. I know there's lots of different theories. Some people think Jen Shaw hit her and she's covering for Jen. Others think the bruising may have started before the third day of the trip, and now it got to a point where she can't conceal it anymore. I don't know what I believe. I just know that she knows what happened and can explain it. And she's choosing not to because she thinks it's clever or some sort of, I don't know, she wants someone else to take the blame for what happened. And I just, again, don't think violence is something to joke about. Now, she easily could have gotten bruised without violence if it was someone who made a mistake at Beauty Lab and Laser. Um, something like that, I could see why she wouldn't want to say that she got a black eye from her own treatments. But if that's what happened, just come out and say it, girl, because this is ridiculous. Also, her unapologetic support of Jen Shaw, knowing what Jen has been accused of and eventually pleads guilty to, and then how easily she was able to write off her friendship with Whitney over something that I think is way less big of a deal than stealing and defrauding the elderly (laughs) is, you know, it makes me question her character. And I know we've seen her come out and be really nasty at reunions. And I'm starting to wonder if that's really the real Heather and everything else that she shows us, especially in confessionals, is just well-rehearsed lines to make her likable. I'm not sure what her deal is this season, but I'm really hoping that she can do some reflecting and hopefully come to the reunion with, I don't know, better takes or more explanations. She doesn't ever want to explain herself. It's just like, Jen is my friend and I'm going to support her. But every once in a while, she'll show cracks and we're like, okay, okay, you're starting to see Jen is a toxic friend and she has done harmful things to you and everyone else in this group and to innocent elderly people. Like, are you going to acknowledge that? Are you going to hold her accountable? Or are you going to crumble anytime she deflects or brings up something else? I don't know. I'm just really disappointed in her. Anyways, I am so excited for this week's episode. Taria, Sean, and I have such a great conversation. We chat all of the different housewives and then get into a longer conversation on colorism, something which I am not very familiar with um, as a white woman. It's not something I really thought about at all when I started watching The Real Housewives of Potomac season one. I know they had certain conversations on the show about skin color and you know, then uh, darker skinned women were added to the show in later seasons. And now we're watching this combination of different tone skins of black women interacting, and also the audience reacting to that. And we really have a very nuanced conversations where I just ask some questions. And Sean and Taria give a lot of insight into the issue, into how the women may perceive it, how the audience may perceive the issue. And I think, I don't know, there's so many layers to this conversation. I really enjoyed having it, and I hope you all enjoy listening to it. 
As always, if you enjoyed this podcast, go ahead and leave it a five-star rating and write a kind review. I usually don't always check them because I've gotten some not nice reviews before, people who disagree with my politics, which is totally fine. You can disagree with my politics. Um, But I went ahead and actually read them this week, and you guys have written such nice things about this podcast and about me and about the guests, and I really, really, really appreciate it. And wish you all a very Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year, Happy Hanukkah, all of the things. And we will check back in in early 2023. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Hi, everyone. I am here with not one, but two guests today, and I'm so, so, so excited about it. We've been planning this for over a month. I'm here with Sean Richardson. This is first podcast, I believe. He's from Tampa, Florida. He's a huge Housewives fan, and he listens to both this podcast and also What Else is Going On with Taria Faison, who is my other guest. So how are you guys doing today? Good. I'm happy to be here. Very excited to be here, both of y'all. Me too. I'm excited too. Sean always has um, funny and also uh, like things that make you think. Like his comments aren't just, you know, whatever. It's like, oh, wait, yeah. You know, he really has good insight. That's the word I was looking for on these shows. And both Sean and I are recording from the West Coast of Florida. So shout out West Coast, Florida. And we are sorry for everyone else up north and the, you know, temperatures you're experiencing. How dare you? (laughs) (laughs) So nasty, so rude in this weather. Oh my god, I love the pod. I love the housewife ref- housewives references. I find that I sometimes say them, but to people who don't know. So then it's kind of awkward. Like I say them at work sometimes, and people just kind of look. You know, nothing crazy, but I don't know. I'm just trying to think. Or like, I'll like call my dog Baby Gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> Because like it's people. such good lines. There's yeah. such good lines, and I, I I find that when I say like a housewife line, like sometimes people will know it, but they don't know where it originates from. Yeah, they'll be like, oh, like I've heard this before. Oh, like I keep hearing people say this or I saw this online, and it's like where they come from. It's like, oh, so this is from Real Housewives of New York. This is from Atlanta, and then people are like, oh, oh, okay, okay. Because otherwise, people are always kind of. I feel like not all the time, but I do feel like people try to rip apart. Like people who watch the Real Housewives, it's always yes, like, totally. it's like, this is not real. This is stupid. And then we start talking about bigger stuff, which is why I'm so happy I found like the Bravo podcasting world because I was listening to, you know, these women and then there's so many different things going on. And just to hear other people kind of break it down or just say their perceptions of it is just really interesting. I don't know. It's just like, this is fascinating. I think there's more here than just there like. There is. Yeah. And. Oh. 
You know, I, I watched a couple episodes of Miami with my stepmom. She'll always like entertain me and watch a couple things, but <laughs> she didn't realize how deep some of the conversations would get. And she yeah. specifically was interested in Dr. Nicole and the storyline with her father. Ooh. And she goes, wow, I haven't seen that explored on The Housewives yet. And I, and she looked at me, she goes, you're probably always exploring deep issues. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why you have a podcast. But, you know, because and then my dad um, knows Marina, obviously, Navratilova. And so he walks in and is like, are you watching oh. a tennis documentary? <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> I was like, no, they're actually about to go to a dog's birthday party for Scotty Pippen's ex wife Right. And be marketed to relentlessly by Larsa Pippen, who needs to sell products. Who I also, FYI, I love Larsa on that show. But it is as funny as this. She's literally always like hawking something to buy. I'm just like, you're shameless doing that. I cannot believe you. I mean, she's great at it, but I'm just yeah. like, Hey, I'm trying from the Kardashians. Yes, she did. (laughs) I'm trying to get on board with Larsa. I want to like her, but I feel like she has personally said to me, you're stupid because you're trying to tell me that wagon you're dragging is from squats. And we know it's not Larsa. Therefore, you're saying I don't have common sense. We all know. Just be truthful. Can I just say this? I know we're not talking about Miami, but y'all are the first people I've said it to, and I would love to get your opinion. Last season, Adriana continuously talked about Larsis, but I think going into this season, and I think she saw the online chatter, she knows that she she doesn't have any reason, right, to talk about Larsis, but so what do I do? I bring up the fact that I'm now considering a BBL Um, And at least I'm being honest about mine. And I think that's her way of still trying to drag Larsa for not saying, because I don't believe she's considering a BBL because no one, I believe, just says it that casually. And I feel like she's using it to get at Larsa. A (laughs) hundred percent. Yeah. I'm like, I I don't like Larsa either. I like her on the show. Right. I think she Mm. brings a lot. She's interesting. You know, her dynamic with the women. But yes. there's so many things about her that genuinely piss me off yeah. from yeah. lying about, you know, getting a BBL or not, you know, it, like that kind of stuff. Like, don't lie about what you've had done because you make people think, oh, if I just do all these squats, then my butt, my butt will like quadruple <laughs> in size and my yeah. legs will get smaller. <laughs> okay. Um, and also, I just think it's really creepy that she's with Michael Jordan's son, who she knew as a minor and not just like a 17 year old minor, but much younger. And if it were a guy that was dating his like frenemy's chi- daughter, right? I, I, I would, ju- everyone would be judging, right? I hadn't thought about that. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. It is, it's just, it's a very strange thing. Like Larsa, yeah. I, from my perception as a viewer, she does lie a lot. I, I'm taking that from the, she, I'm taking that that she has studied at the Institute of the Kardashians. Yes. Which is just like, I am not going to admit to anything. Um, I will just be a giant spectacle. Like even her, what is that? Like when they did the intro dress that she has, yes. on, like a big poofy thing with like that little thing. It's like, I don't give a, I don't give it up. Like across the band. I'm just like, like, 
That's so much. But I don't know. It's just weird. Like, she's a very strange person. She's very, I don't know. I guess she's bizarre. She's very bizarre. I like her on the cast, but I do agree. Like, some of her, especially the dating, uh, what is his name? Like, something Jordan? Yeah, Michael Jordan yeah. Jr. <laughs> Michael Jordan Jr.? MJJ. Which, which, FYI, we went, okay, maybe, I, I don't even know if I, I can say this, but we were at UCF at the same time. So I, I'm a graduate from UCF undergrad. And he was there when I was there. I mean, I never met this man ever. But, you know, if you would go to, like, some of the games, like, people do the spotting out. Like, oh, oh. Look, that's Michael Jordan's song. Like, look at it. Like, mm-hmm. I'm like, who? Like, where, where, where? And it's like, oh, this this guy. Oh, oh, well, there you go. Wow. Um, But, yeah, I do think that is weird. When I heard those stories, I was like, uh. Mm-hmm. And she took him to watch What Happens Live, right? Like, he was there. See, and it's like stuff like that lets me know you want the media attention. Like, because you, you there's no way. I would have been like, just wait at the hotel. And part of me, like, the um, absolute feminist in me is like, go ahead, girl. Like, yes, guys do it yes. all the time. Yep. You know, right? But I also just think there's, it's not that he's young. It's that it's she knew him great. as a kid. Yeah. That's what creeps me out. She yeah, can date guys 10, 20 years younger than her, whatever, go for it. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. when I'm like, go ahead, girl. But when you knew them when they were younger, it's just, we would be singing a very, very different tune if it was a guy doing yeah. that, I think. I hadn't even thought about that. I, I agree with you, too. And I like how you broke it down. Like you said, as a feminist, it's like, do you? How? But like, I can't imagine dating someone that I knew as a child, even if, because I think people were saying uh, she was friends with Juanita, Michael Jordan, (laughs) seniors, ex, but then people were like, well, she wasn't friends. Even if she wasn't, you still knew him. Yeah. More than, you know, each other. Basketball teams are not very big. (laughs) (laughs) Like there's like what five dudes on the court per team. Right. Like the, the stuff, right. Like, so it's, it's, Yeah, that 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 was interesting. I just remember her and Malik Beasley, which is, I believe, who Larsa was talking about when yes. she said, didn't you date us? Like, who I believe his uh, wife just had another baby by him. And that's what I think Anthony is constantly commenting on, uh, Dr. Nicole's husband. Oh, yes. Because she was with a married man mm-hmm. and wow, broke yeah. potentially broke apart, you know. It, yep. it is what it is. Yeah, <laughs> now, yeah. Uh, I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about yes. like Salt, Salt Lake City, but I was telling you before we started recording that <laughs> after this week's episode, I feel like I'm officially done with Heather. I'm so pissed at her for so many reasons, but you said you were feeling the opposite. So I want to give you the floor, Taria, and tell me why you maybe didn't like Heather, but now feel... <laughs> that you like her better. I will say that. So I've never made my, there was, when she first came on, there was something about her that I was kind of like, I don't really, but you know, she was the people's champ, like Candy said. Right. So I was trying to, but something just didn't really feel, I felt like she, what is it called? She was fake self-deprecating. I don't believe she really felt those things about herself. I felt like she was fake self-deprecating because then you're always the underdog and then people always, root for the underdog. So that's how I felt Mm. about her. But this season going into it, like watching how badly I believe Whitney wanted to be friends with Lisa, Heather too, but I felt like Lisa was the popular girl, right? So I felt like Whitney really wanted 
to be friends with her going into the season. This thing with Whitney and Heather, I feel like Whitney is trying to bring everyone in to say, look how bad of a friend Heather is. And I feel like she's using childhood trauma that she won't go into, but is expecting everyone else to go into their issues. So it, I feel like it all started about this rumor that they all allegedly heard with Angie. Heather wasn't going to discuss that. And I understand why, because we already have had this thing for seasons. I'm not coming into this discussing it. I don't think you should either. Whitney brings it up after Whitney asks Heather in the bathroom, should I bring this thing up? No, you should not bring this thing up. And especially not on Jen's weekend. So Whitney couldn't, I understand we want drama on these shows, but you couldn't see outside of yourself to say, okay, real life and reality life are merging. Our friend may be going away. This weekend is for her. There's other drama that could come out of this. So you go out looking very hot. Mind you, the drunker she got, the hotter she seemed to become, by the way, which I was like, that is a strange thing. Shout out to Amanda uh, <laughs> for pointing that out. But um, so you start this thing and you do this narrative of Meredith said you trade sexual favors. But Whitney introduced the sexuality in the favors when she had the conversation with Meredith. So honestly, all of the contention with her and Heather to me started there. And now you're saying, Heather, you won't acknowledge that you heard this rumor. It is now triggering me because of things that happened in my youth to trigger me. And now I'm going to be messy because you know that happens when I get triggered. So now Heather is the reason that you're now being triggered because of trauma that we don't know about and can only speculate on, but you won't speak about. Can I, I feel like all of this is coming quickly interject. Mm -hmm. That to me sounds like you dislike Whitney, but what is it about Heather that you like? Um, I'll say, I'll even take the like, dislike out yeah, of it. I'm, I'm, I'm looking yeah. at it. Like I think Heather's being put in an unfair position to have to defend herself even at that dinner, when they were talking about Jen and Dana brings Heather in for no reason, Dana brings Heather in and says, well, you said X, Y, and Z about Jen. It's not like Heather hasn't said these things to Jen before. She has, but she doesn't go around saying, you're a toxic friend. You're a terrible friend. They've had these conversations before. Mm -hmm. But for Dana to bring Heather in, and now Lisa's jumping on the Heather thing, and now Whitney's like, Heather, you always do this. It makes it seem as if it's Heather that's, oh, you forgot. You seem to forget a lot of things, Heather. Whitney's also seemed to forget a lot of things that she said. So has Lisa. So it's everything that they're accusing Heather of doing they're also in the middle of doing. So I feel like Heather's being put in a on an island by herself because Whitney has started this healing journey. Yeah. <laughs> so I yeah. don't actually disagree with any of that. For me, the issue I have with Heather was specifically this week um, with the eye, like she no. got a black eye oh and then she's playing around with it. And that's not really yeah. something to joke about. Yeah. It, is it, did you get hurt? Did someone hurt you? Did you hurt yourself? Uh, saying, and then kind of going back and saying when the producer's like, well, you said you didn't know how it happened. And she's like, I never said I didn't know how it happened. Yeah, like she yeah. keeps going back and forth on the story okay, yeah. and yeah. 
that isn't cool. And then just how hard she's riding for Jen Shaw, and then to have the audacity to question <laughs> Lisa Barlow's finances and a very legal SEC filing when mm-hmm. your friend committed such yes. large yeah. fraud uh, 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 that like the entire SDNY, like they flew the NYPD oh, cops right. to Utah for this, you know, how yes. expensive it is to do sh- shit like that. Like sh- anyway, so I, I was just like, you're a hypocrite. You're a hypocrite. You're going to go yes. after Lisa for weird stuff with her finances that you don't think is, is, whatever. It's not that it's not kosher. It's like you think, okay, she's acting like she has more money than she really does. Right. But that's not illegal. And that's not necessarily wrong. And we don't even know whether or not that's one small company. She owns a lot of companies. Yes. Right. So that whole thing and then backing Jen Shah just... It makes me feel sick. And the things that Jen Shaw is posting on social media Ooh, about Whitney uh, being friends with uh, an insurrectionist, you all were friends with this girl. Picture, right? Yes. No one is no, – this is all on social media now. Like, no one is claiming that any of these women on the show sympathize with insurrectionists. None of them do, okay? Right. <laughs> so it's just – it's but just see, like, think- What? Right. I think that's such, I don't know. It's like Salt Lake City is, I, in full transparency, it's like I watched the first season of Salt Lake City kind of like in and out. Like I'll watch it, but not really absorb. I kind of absorb them more as like characters. And I think that's what it is with them. It's like, they're just, I don't know. They are interesting. Everyone likes them because they're so kooky and people compare them to like early Roni, which I don't think they are because I think, the thing that's missing for me for Salt Lake City is that they are complete, just like personalities, but there's no stories. Like, I don't feel like mm. we know any of them a lot. So it's like, and I think it's kind of all culminating this season where it's interesting because it's every episode, I will admit, I'm watching every episode laughing out loud. I think it's so funny. I'm completely amused. But at the end of it, I'm just like thinking like, huh, I'm still thinking about, I think Kate Casey brings this up. It's like, I'm thinking about I wonder what's going on in the city. Like, I wonder what's happening in like Salt Lake City because I don't feel like we get any of that from their show. Like, I don't feel like we get yes. any of like what they're doing. And but we get like these spectacles that they kind of participate in that they really seem to like to do. Um, and it almost feels like every season they keep raising the stakes with like these really, in my opinion, major accusations. They just like throw at each other. Mm. It, al- it almost feels like for the sake of they know it's going to make a good show. Granted, Mary Cosby is one of the most complicated <laughs> figures yeah. that probably ever existed ever. in the Marvel universe. I still want her to have a separate show because I feel like she should have probably never been a housewife. She probably should have been like on a, a on like a Discovery Plus show. I'm extremely fascinated yes. by her. Yes. Um, and I feel like she just got the wrong sh- like network. So, and I stand on that. But it's like even those accusations of like the cult thing with her. Jen's mm-hmm. accusations end up being true. Like now it's like Lisa Barlow's legal stuff, which I don't know anything about the finance world at all, but it's just mm-hmm. like hearing, and I haven't seen the episode yet, but just hearing some of the things and the clips that they are now throwing at her. It's just like, y'all are really messing with people's, I don't know. It's like, if you had stories, yes. there's like things about you, you wouldn't have to resort to these things that I fear are going to fizzle out after you don't have any more like large 
allegations to throw at people. And I think that's honestly, I mean, I don't want to go too much with like ratings. So no, it's like a different time. A lot of people stream, but you know, mm-hmm. like when you're looking at the ratings platforms, it's like Salt Lake City is not as high as, from my understanding as it used to be. And I feel like a part of that is because so much of the audience was drawn in with so many of the like the big bombastic things that were happening yes. in the that are not there anymore. And that was like a classic kind of like kooky housewives show. And I think that the cast is trying to figure out like what to do with it. Yes. And none of them are willing to open up and share like what is happening in their life. So it's like, let's just talk about Lisa's probably like highly, probably legal, completely explainable, like financial stuff instead of like talking about what's actually going on in my life as Heather Gade, since my family's <laughs> like, I'm estranged from them, but I'm also wanting to make money from selling. Yes. yes. Like, I want to talk about them. You know, it's, they're an yeah. interesting city. We don't really get a lot of meat. That's good. We don't get the hard questions. They're not asked the hard questions and they don't ask each other the hard questions. They they go after each other for the stupidest stuff. Yes. Why isn't someone asking Heather, hey, when you decided to write this book, did you talk to yourself about what that would mean about potential estrangement from your family? And why did you make the choice to go ahead with the book? And I think there's a reason to make that choice, but I would like her to explain that reason. Yes. Or Jen Shah, why don't you focus on what's ahead of you legally and get off social media? Because it seems like it's really upsetting you and affecting your mental health. Right. No one will ask like the very logical like questions right in front of you. And it's or even how do you really feel? Because I don't want to hear I feel this way because every single person in my life has done something to me. No. How do you feel? Because you put your family in mm-hmm. this position. And if your mother had a ran across the gen shawl, you wouldn't have any money for her right. to give you, yeah. you know? So it's like, it's that's the irony. Like, do you feel bad that you took your mom's retirement and that's what you're being accused of doing? And spent it all on fake designer that to me. None of that was real. She is, every single thing about her is a fraud. You know what? Her first season though, I, I'm telling you, I said to Corey, her first confessional, I will never forget. I was sitting on the couch and I went, mm-mm. There, there was something... I felt like she was being a parody, and I'm just going to say it of of what she thought, like a Nene and a, and a and another black housewife combined. But I also looked at her jewelry and said, "It looks like paparazzi." But I'm not going to count anybody's money. She may spend all this, money, but it, there's something about her that just <laughs> rings, you know. And if you guys don't know paparazzi jewelry, there's a paparazzi jewelry company that sells probably everything that Jen has. But it's it's. Something about her has always been so inauthentic. So I'm kind of surprised, but not surprised that when I raided your house, you had all these fake bags. So what did you spend the money on? Right. It's it's so like, funny because I feel like the women on Potomac are actually much more authentically themselves and yeah, answering yeah. very difficult questions from yes. one another. It's basically the opposite of Salt Lake to me. Yes. Yeah. No. Yeah. You know, like the questions that are being pointed at Mia and Jacqueline are really intense. They are yes. the right questions for what we have witnessed thus far. 
but thank God they're on Potomac where someone has the actual chutzpah to ask them. Yeah. Like I, just, I, <laughs> I was very grateful because she was like, listen, when you were talking, Mia, you made it sound like you or G bought Jacqueline a car and not just any car, but like, I don't remember, Jaguar, Ferrari, the Porsche anything. or something, the Porsche, Porsche. I don't know. <laughs> All the same to me. The car I'm never going to drive. And, um, you know, it, it was just so odd to me that Jacqueline was kind of like looking at Mia for permission of what she could say. And something in that dynamic, it wasn't just creepy. It was a control thing that I felt like Mia has a level of control over Jacqueline that really creeps me out. I think I Mia a theory. is bizarre. <laughs> oh, I'm, I want to hear it. No, oh, no you go ahead. You want, oh. No, I just I think that Mia is a very bizarre um, person for Potomac. Like, I, I hate to so go to I. the conversation of like, who doesn't fit because it's not like I'm on the show. I mean, I don't right. fit. Um, but I'm, it's just like, she is very different from the rest of them. And like, I think all of them, I think in their earlier seasons were very transparent, even Giselle in the beginning of like kind of being open about like who we are. I mean, Giselle was still lying, the whole tinker tape, yeah. parade, whatever. Um, but they're a little bit more transparent. I think most of them were transparent about this is what it is. This is kind of who I am. I might be lying about living in Potomac, but I'm being honest about other aspects of my life, whatever. I think Mia from the onset has just been kind of like lies. And she yes. is, I do find her, I can't like entertain about, almost feel like maybe she would have fit more into this cast that she was kind of like a friend of. Because she's kind of like Marlo, early seasons Atlanta. Yeah. She just like comes oh. in, mixes stuff up. It's like completely out of control. And then she can like leave. And then she can come to the group trips. And I think she'd be fun in that capacity. But I would have loved if they added like another like 40-year-old plus woman to Potomac, to be honest with you. Because I think, yeah. I don't know. I just think that cast does really good with like honest, strange stories from the Black community that we don't always get to see on TV. Yeah. Um, and I think Mia is like, I think Mia, whatever, she's younger. So I'm sure she, I, we all grew up watching like reality TV. So I'm not going to hold that against her. I think people held it against the Dubai women, which I don't think was fair. That's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> but I do think that Mia kind of comes into it very much feeling like, oh, yeah, like I need some like really weird story. I need some type of like yep. crazy thing. Like, let me share this. Let me share this. Like, oh, I'll be a little coy here. Like, I'm going to be sexy. And it's just, I don't know, it just kind of reads a little bit off in that cast in a way. Like, it doesn't feel like it belongs. I kind of want Jocelyn Hernandez to come in from Love and Hip Hop to, like, like put me in her place and then, like, leave. Really right, and then, like, <laughs> yes. And I think Candace was on her way to doing that last year. I, when Candace told her, I took it easy on you, be grateful, Come being from the Black community, I understood that because I... I I didn't get the whole, like, when Candace at the reunion last year, when she said, I was jonesing. Uh, Jones and you, we know what that is. And also we know- Wait, I don't. What is Jones? So basically Joan and you is like uh, uh, your mama. You oh, know, like just, just joshing, like, like, like little joking stuff. Around. Like, okay. Yes, like, but, but another level, almost like I'm trying to back you up off of me. So stop coming for me. I'm, try I'm trying nicely. And, you know, uh, people were talking about, and I'm sure you probably see in the discussion- hood rules as far as what Candace was saying to her in the hood there are no rules so really when Candace was saying I you're lucky I took it easy on you in real life 
if Mia was questioning her mom, which let's reflect that that dinner they had, it was made very clear that Chris had a job. Giselle talked about it, but now we get to the scene and you're questioning her mom. I would have went to the gutter. I mean, if I was that kind of person, I would have called your mom a crackhead knowingly and your family and everything. So when Candace said, I took it easy on you and see Giselle and all them know that because they do that to each other, but certain women get a pass. Right. But she did call her mama low budget, which I don't know why, but that is just funny to me. Like just the the term low budget. Yeah. Your mom is low budget. Because it was like a, it was like a, your mom, right. And Mm -hmm. I get why Mia was upset by that, but you can't expect people not to retaliate verbally when you are hitting them verbally. That's my thing. You do not get to dictate a response to someone when you have come for them. So I used to tell my kids, if you throw a pebble at somebody unprovoked and then they throw a boulder back at you, that's your fault because you did not have to throw that pebble unprovoked. They're just minding their own business. And here you come, you want to throw a pebble. You can't control someone's response. We like to give grace. I think sometimes the audience to certain people when they have triggers from the black community, again, looking at Candace's mom, her mom is not foreign to me. And I'm sure you could probably relate to like Dorothy's not foreign to me. And I feel like it's a situation where we're taught that you never basically to disagree with your parents. And I'm not saying all of us, but to disagree with your parent is disrespectful. Like I can't even have my own opinion. So Candace is like, okay, if I'm like that over here, ain't no other woman going to get that from me. So if you come at me, I'm giving it right back to you because I can't Mm -hmm. do it over my mom here. And mm-hmm. I don't, I laugh at some of the things Mia says. I want my housewives to be delusional, but not liars. And I feel like everything Mia said is a question mark to me. So it's like, I don't even believe you. Now I will say, I have been watching her sister's YouTube channel. Mia's sister. And Mia's sister. No, Mia. Jacqueline's sister. I'm sorry. Okay. So and Jacqueline has a sister. Sister. Yeah. Named is, Tita. No. <laughs> so what's Tita? the status of Jacqueline and Mia's friendship today? Or it's not will good. We, will we find out more at the reunion? I don't know about at the reunion, but I know in like real life, no cameras, there is none. And her sister Tita said, I have told Jacqueline she better never, ever mend fences with her after what she did. So do y'all remember when Mia posted the video of Jacqueline yeah, arguing? It was the day of the premiere. It was yes. like, what are you doing? We haven't even had a chance to get to know this person. She was four months pregnant in that. The video was four years old. And her sister was like, why do you even still have that in your phone? So during the incident, Jacqueline was four months pregnant and had found out some stuff about this her, her partner. And I don't know if he recorded it. I forget she said, she said, but she sent it to me and Mia. She said, why Mia still had that in her phone and waited for four years. So she said, what, what, what happened on the show? I don't care about that's what Jacqueline signed up for. She said, but, uh, her Jacqueline's sister was a caregiver and some of the kids are older and, but they still come and visit her. She said she had her family calling from down South family from up North Jacqueline almost got in trouble with her job. She said, we had to pick Jacqueline up off the floor 
like me and my other sister. So until she apologizes publicly to my sister, I'm never going to let it go. And she said, the crazy thing is Jacqueline's sister nannied for Mia and they still had her like on the schedule to nanny after this. So she said she called her and was like, what are you doing? No, she, she called her and Mia wouldn't answer. She said, and she never not answers for me. She's always available unless she's like actively doing something. She said, so I text her, you need to call me about this video. And Mia texts back, my publicist told me to do it because Jacqueline has been saying horrible things about me oh my in God. the press. So she was what? like, no one ever that knew Jacqueline. Us. None of us no knew, one knew who Jacqueline. she was. And how also, would your publicist know about the video? This gives very like my social media manager from Mia's first season. Whenever yes. you get in trouble, you blame it on somebody else. On, you act yes. like you have this huge right. staff yep. as if you're Lisa fucking Vanderpump. I'm sorry, yep. you are not. You're and not. you don't even own your businesses outright because if you did, no one else would be able to access the bank accounts. If someone <laughs> else is able to lock you out of a bank account, yep. you do not fully, 100% own, own that business. And her sister, I will say, like to present day, all of this stuff about Mia and Gordon and Jacqueline, I can see why Jacqueline is looking the way she did. So so her sister said, bottom line, Mia came to her and said, look, I need I need to have some type of story. <gasps> so. This is according other, to the sister. According to the sister. Please come on. Jacqueline said no, because so Jacqueline went to Clark Atlanta University and it's HBCU. She didn't have a very good job. And she was like, no. So she said, I helped Mia talk Jacqueline into doing it. Like, just go on as her friend. She needs you. She said, but the stories. And then she stopped. And I'm just saying, she said, my sister's not gay. And then the more she talked, I think she is part of the LGBTQ community, the sister. She oh. said, but my sister's not gay. She said the things that Mia has been saying are not true. She said that's Mia's thing to sleep with other women and her husband, not my sister. She said, and my sister bought her own Porsche. My sister has a very good job. So she said, y'all will see my sister looking really confused on the show. Like, where is this going? I said, now, if this is true, it makes sense why she's like, maybe you want to talk to Mia because girl, you didn't bring me here for this. And Jacqueline just did an interview and said the whole, I don't have my toiletry stuff. She said, I told Mia that I, it was either she had ran out or something. It was like, I was going out later that day to get it. I just asked her to use it. So did you see that interview? No, I didn't see that. Oh, okay. Did you, Sean? I mean, yeah, she just did an interview. So I think that all of this stuff with Gordon and her... I don't necessarily know if Jacqueline was actually in a thruple with them. Which I don't also... think that was ever the issue. I think she was just having Jacqueline, her friend, sleep with people that she was with and she was watching. See, I don't think I believe that either. Because G Mia never said to Giselle, I watched her sleep with my boyfriend. Giselle added that part. What Mia said was, it was so, I wanted her to see why I couldn't leave him. So I let her sleep with him. She never said I watched. But what she said such last crazy. season. <laughs> but so when, when Karen's, when Karen straddled the fence and wouldn't take a side with Wendy and Mia and said, I didn't like that Wendy was lying on Mia and Gordon. She wasn't last season at Candace's townhouse party. They played never have I ever. And Mia said they slept with other people. And then she said, I mean, I watch. 
bored and sleep with other people. Yeah, I think, I mean, and then we found out this week that it, Wendy wasn't lying at all. Yeah. So but it's like she said that last season. So I why are you getting so upset? Yeah. If this is something that you yeah. like own about your sexuality and about your relationship with your husband, that is fine. You do you, girl. Right. But then don't get mad at other people if they comment on it. Yeah, it, it's yeah. all very interesting. Mia's yeah, strange. And Jacqueline, now that you share that story, Tria, I, I will say that for me, my opinion, uh, and I... I'm sure Jacqueline is a, a lovely woman, but I feel like on the show, she just does not, I don't know. She's to me like one of the worst friend of like across franchises. Like she's definitely yes. on the top 10 list for me because I'm like, there's nothing really memorable about her. And it does seem like in every scene, she is almost like she's being consistently caught off guard. Like, I'm like, wait, <laughs> did you know that they were filming? Like <laughs> it's just constantly like surprise phase. I'm just like, yes. what's going on? Or nervous laugh. I'm just like, something is off. This dynamic is weird. Like, I know it's mm-hmm. supposed to be, like, intriguing, but it's weird because it just seems almost like, I mean, I know this didn't happen, but it just seems like you call your friend, oh, do you want to film today and be on a show? And it's like, yeah, yeah, I want to be there. <laughs> and then you're just, like, constantly being surprised. So I don't, I'm not sold on Jacqueline. I'm sure she's great. I'm just not loving her as a friend of, I did like Escala. Me too. Um, a lot. And I thought mm-hmm. that she was a really wonderful friend of, and I honestly think that's one of the things that I really enjoy about Potomac is that they show, I think that they have done a good job kind of showing different types of black people because yes. I love that they have African representation, which is why I want a scholar back on the show because I love that there is Habesha, like Eritrean, Ethiopian type of influence. I love mm-hmm. that Wendy's there as a Nigerian woman. Um, and then there, of course, in like the mix of all this, there's like the Jack and Jill. Yes. Uh, black like divine nine, the black el- like, yes you know like elite thing going on with giselle and robin and yep. even candace um is involved in that as well um and then in the old days of course there was katie ross when she you know was more like on the path of straight and narrow with her like kind of uh debutante like black uh, socialite thing Yes, and she's black and jewish and that's and they gave know, her an they, issue for that giselle yeah. gave her an issue they oh, did. yeah they did so, and so I, and I just don't think that we have seen that, especially on Bravo, from like mm-hmm. other, not from the fault of the cast, but I just think that that is what Potomac offers. This is really interesting look at like the black community that, that I don't think many people see. So mm-hmm. I think that's what leads it to almost have a more, amongst other things, to have a, like a more diverse audience kind of gravitate towards it. When you have a black Jewish woman, you have black women who are like Greek and like this, and then you have like, these other types of black people who are African, like I just think it just draws a lot of people in because you, there's just, you just seeing different things that you might not see, um, yeah, or you might not think that exists in the community. So I do like that about Potomac, and I think they do that really well. I think Mia is compromising. Yeah, a good sort of segue because I did have some questions I wanted to ask you about this topic. So I. I'm not black. And I don't necessarily always see some of the things that a lot of black audience members point out, right? And one of those things, which I think comes in many different forms, is colorism. And there are accusations of the audience being colorist, which I think 
many of, of the members of the show would agree with, right? But then there's accusations by members of the audience towards the cast saying some cast members are colorist towards other cast members. And that seems to have been denied by most of the cast, specifically the conversation that Nicki Minaj was trying to have with these women last year. I want to ask you, Sean, first, what your thoughts are just in general, and if you have any specific examples where you think people were being accused of being colorist when maybe they were misunderstood, or where you think it was actually happening. Okay, so so for the colorism aspect of Potomac, I've been listening to a lot of like Raisani interviews, and I think I land somewhat similar to her, whereas I do think colorism, one, I think that colorism is a thing that affects every single Black person in the Western Hemisphere. Like if you're on this side of the planet, or even if you're not, like you're dealing with colorism that is almost like a daily thing. Like we all do. I'm not even the same complexion as my parents. Um, and my brother is mixed race. So it's like his father is white and our mom is black. So that was another dynamic of us growing up. So there's a lot of different dynamics that happen. I think when black people are different shades and different colors. So that plays into, I would say every single aspect of every interaction that we have with the world and with other black people. So I am confident that that is happening on Potomac, um, whether the cast is cognizant of it or not. I believe, and this is like murky because I'm, I, this is just what I believe. And I will, (laughs) I, There's like no Robin. wrong belief, right? Like yeah. okay. you can share your thoughts on. I'm okay. not going to go after you, and this is like and a hopefully conversation. Hopefully, nobody else will. Yeah, yeah. So, so someone like Robin Dixon, who I love. I mean, look, I'm wearing a Robin Dixon T-shirt right now. I love. <laughs> I'm so glad Juan Dixon is not here right now. <laughs> I like Robin Dixon. I like the entire cast of Potomac. One, Mia? Question mark. But everyone else, I love Potomac. Me too. Um, so someone like Robin Dixon, who. To me, when I first saw her on the screen, she she's the same complexion as my grandmother. Um, so when I saw her, I was like, okay, like this is a lighter complected black woman. Me too. So I I right. So I have a hard time believing, although I think that her and Giselle kind of do this, and I get I kind of feel like I get why they're doing this, why they're becoming defensive. But I think her and Giselle would do this obtuse thing where they're like, I don't even know what you're talking about. And I have a hard time believing someone who looks like Robin. Mm-hmm. would not have encountered a conversation about um, what it looks like to move throughout the world as a Black woman who is also very light-complected, um, with very light eyes, etc. And her mother, too. Like, I mean, I think that she has encountered... I would be very hard-pressed to believe that she has never encountered these conversations before, ever. Um, same with Giselle. Like, I think that they've encountered these things I think that they might not want to say that I'm a colorist because I don't think people like being identified with any type of ist or <laughs> right. oldest. Like I think that is very <laughs> off-putting to, to many people. And I right. think for the audience, um, and I, I don't want to discount anybody's experience either because I mean, I'm from down South. I was born and raised in the South. I have never considered myself to be light skinned, but that's just because my brother's mixed race. So we're like different complexion. Now, of course, that does not hold true with my other friends who would say, oh, like you're light skin, whatever. So 
I am probably coming to this conversation with a lot of privileges that I want to also acknowledge too. Um, but I also believe that for the audience watching Potomac, I don't doubt that people are being triggered watching these light complected, green eye, blonde hair, black women, or and biracial, or as Julesy from um, a YouTube channel would say, bi-generational, biracial black women, um, antagonize darker complected black women. I'm not, I am not surprised that many people in the audience are triggered watching that because many black people, nearly every black person has had some experience with a lighter complected relative or friend or teacher or someone in their life who's probably made them feel like shit. Um, and I think when you're watching it play out on screen, there's a lot of feelings that are erupting and a lot of things that are happening. Now, do I think that all of that can be um, remedied by Robin and Giselle and Ashley? I don't think so. Um, but it's, just, it's hard because I don't, discount anyone's experience i know that people are having that real experience i just sometimes i'm also in the loop of like i wonder where it goes because I, that's something i was thinking about when i first saw potomac in that first season it premiered a lot of people mm -hmm. in the black community and maybe you saw this too taria were talking about how everyone yep. on the cast was mixed or light skin like that was a big yep, yep, deal yep. especially compared to atlanta and so when i first saw that i was thinking like I wonder at what point is this going to like explode? And I feel like we've reached that point where it's kind of exploded because the world is more aware um, and there's more access to language. And so I think that now they're kind of at this point where they're trying to really figure out how the show works. I don't want to see Giselle or Robin leave. I like the whole cast, um, but I but they're also getting defensive. And I get why, because I think the audience is super antagonistic. For, right or, for better or for worse, I do think the audience is super antagonistic, and I think that Robin and Giselle react extremely different. It's making them dig their heels in deeper yep. instead of having like mm -hmm. a productive conversation. So I almost think the audience does sabotage it a little bit. Oh, I'm being for honest. sure. For sure. Now, I want to go back just a second because some people listening, um, and like I was maybe a year and a half ago, or two years ago, didn't necessarily know what colorism was, or how black people experienced it. You mentioned every black person has probably had someone lighter than them, make a comment to them, even someone in their family that makes them feel like shit. Would you guys both mind giving some examples? Because this is so funny, when I started watching Potomac, this is not what crossed my mind. I was confused. I thought Robin was a white woman. I was. Um, <laughs> Taria and I have talked about that. Um, but, you know, I never once was like, I was just interested in their lives, right? And I wasn't thinking at all about, oh, this is going to explode at some point because I don't know all the nuances of the Black community or different types of Black people and how that may play out. But if you could give some examples of comments that are colorist, because we don't see those types of comments all the time on Potomac, although there have been a couple, it sounds like. I think even Giselle's tagline, was that last season? Mm. Of course, like, my the secret of like the this pretty um, face is staying out of the uh, i stay in the shade which yeah. is which oh. is very funny like it's a pun of like mm -hmm. that's something a lot of black people here growing up it's like don't go in the sun because you that was dark. my example mm, yeah that's such a common thing that you, people tell black children i mean i'm getting honestly, dark mm -hmm. people would tell me what? that as a kid people would say oh like you got so brown i mean in the yep. on in 
this is from like generational yes. traumas that have been passed mm-hmm. down in the community. That's why I don't think, I truly don't think that Robin and Giselle or even Ashley do these things that, I, that they are probably doing with, with this intention to be like, I'm going to get you because you're a darker, complected person. I think that they're Black women of a certain age who grew up in a certain time, especially Robin and Giselle, because they are very Black identified. They also grew up in a certain time and certain cultures that I think that I'm sure they heard comments like that, especially because their complexion. Maybe they didn't come from their relatives, but I'm sure it came from a, a teacher, someone they met, of someone just saying, don't go out, don't get darker. Or if you did get darker, got a little darker, you got a little, um, ooh, looks like I froze. Oh, oh no, you no. <laughs> no, you didn't. What, what oh. does it mean? Like, okay, if you get darker, then what are the consequences of getting darker? The way it's like an implication. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's an implication too, that you're like getting uglier. Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah. That's back, where I was getting, getting at. Darker. I was like, yep. Okay. Because mm-hmm. what's the bad thing about getting, and you know, and as a light, lighter, complexed black person, I remember being semi-young and feeling like, oh, I really shouldn't get dark. Like I really yeah. need to like not go out in the sun and burn, and burn, you know, like, so you hear these things. And I think every single black person, regardless of their complexion, reg- honestly, regardless of the country has heard these things. And I yeah. think all those things get activated when you see a Giselle or Robin or Ashley, who's biracial, which I think adds a completely different layer to it because she has mm-hmm. a white parent. Um, when you see them kind of do these things, and I think it activates people because it's kind of like you go back into these states of like, I've seen it, you know, I think people- I know say, who you are. Yeah, or I've seen a Giselle. I deal with a Giselle. I yep. have an auntie like Giselle, or I have an aunt like Robin, or my grandma Ooh, like Lord. Robin. You know, so I think that people have these experiences with them, and I think that Giselle and Robin get a brunt of some traumatic experiences that maybe a lot of the audience has had. Um, and I don't think that always is like fair to them, but I also want to acknowledge that I don't think the audience is also the non-black audience specifically, but even sometimes the black audience is fair to Wendy and Candace either. Thank you. Yeah. I spent a lot of time disliking Candace in the beginning. I honestly had to rewatch Potomac from the beginning. Yeah. To the- kind of have a different perspective of Candace because my initial yep. perspective was brat, all this stuff. And then when I rewatched it, I was like, well, even if she is bratty, even if she is like a lot, um, she's a real housewife. Like, I mean, that's yeah. what you're watching. Yeah, I, I liked uh-huh. Candace from the beginning. And when people were commenting on like, oh, she lives off her mom's money. I was like, so? Like, what do you think right. Kinsley does? Like, it never said, crossed <laughs> my mind that there was something yeah. wrong or weird about that. I... Mm-hmm. It just didn't. And then as we saw her do more and more things and go to business school and all that, I was like, she's not planning on living off her mom's money. That's not the plan. And people were so quick to say in your mama's house, but people aren't, again, Black people talk about generational wealth. She brought the deed to the reunion and the mortgage and said, both me and my mother's name is on this. Candace was 20 something years old. In our communities, we don't know a lot of 20-something-year-olds owning a townhouse worth as much as hers. So on a smaller scale, soon as my kids turned 17 and I looked up the rules for Capital One, I added them onto my Capital One as authorized users so they could start building their credit early mm-hmm. versus having to wait until they're 20 and 21. Candace's mom just did that for her on a larger scale. She wanted her to own something in name. And I went and looked her up 
when she started and saw that, oh, she had these businesses, these hair businesses that her and her sister ran together. So I, and I always felt like I didn't always like her. And I said to myself, I actually checked myself and said, do you like, do you not like her going against Giselle because you have a certain affinity to her and why? I asked myself that question. It reminds, Potomac reminds me of the test they do with kids when they lay out a white doll, a medium colored doll and a dark doll. And all the kids, they say, which one is bad? And the kids point to the dark doll, which mm-hmm. one is good? That's what Potomac reminds me of. I will say, I don't think, for me, them not addressing this is an issue with me with Robin. Because I understand that you don't want the brunt, but you made it a point. And to your point, Sean, when you said, it's you're pretty sure this conversation has come up in Robin's world. When Robin and Giselle had Carlos King on their podcast, Giselle... I am going to go on record and say, I think Giselle is a paper bag 2022, meaning I do think that she does look at people differently with darker skin. Mm-hmm. I do think that of Giselle. Of Robin, I don't. Um, Giselle said to Carlos King, she feels like the reason Potomac was successful is because the world had not seen light-skinned, green-eyed, Black-educated women. She did say that. Yeah, like, I heard that. And she always talks about her skin. And I think about her daughters. My daughters have talked about skin color. My oldest said to me when she was younger, mom, I wish I was you or Beyonce's color. Mm -hmm. Giselle has sat in her confessional and said her daughters thought she was white. So to me, what a disservice Mm -hmm. that you're doing that you cannot simply have a conversation. Look at Atlanta when Eva Pickford, who is light eyes, a different grade of hair than some black people use the term nappy headed at the reunion. They had a conversation with her that was, yeah. Hey sis, this is why some other black people are triggered by what you said. They yeah. had it for the public to see Giselle saying that stupid it's social media. Robin, after Giselle made that comment, Robin said after season one, I specifically suggested yes. we have, brown-skinned women on the cast so the audience could identify. So you know where this conversation is coming from because if not, what reason would you have to suggest brown-skinned women so that the audience could connect? So for you to sit on Watch What Happens Live and Sherry Shepard and say, I don't know where this is coming from, but you made sure you put out there that you suggested darker women for the cast so the audience could identify. To me, now you're playing, and this is serious. They could simply say, Robin could say that, guys. You know, on the podcast, we've talked about this. I specifically did it up. I don't think I have any blind spots, but thank y'all for bringing up the conversation because it's important for our community to have and leave it there. Giselle had no problem being pro-black season one with other light-skinned women. Yeah, and mixed women. Yeah, she definitely made it a huge... That first season was rough because I always remember watching it being like, who the hell does Giselle and Robin even think they are? You know, because I was thinking about my brother. I was like, you cannot question someone's blackness because they're mixed. Like, if someone's culturally identifying as a black person, you cannot take that away from them. And honestly, I even thought that first season was rooted in a lot of insecurities that Robin and Giselle had 
as lighter complected Black women who have probably faced some of these same things that are coming up mm-hmm. now. And it's weird how it's playing out, to your point. It's like, and even I like that you brought up Atlanta too, because something as soon as she said that, I remember that conversation with Eva um, and Kenya. And Kenya, yeah. I think, the one who told her that. And I think that that's kind of, in my opinion, this is where I think the audience of the show is kind of like comes in. Because I think in Atlanta, I still, th- I don't know if I read in one of the Housewives book, books or saw it online, but I think Atlanta still has a like overwhelmingly Black audience. Like I think mostly, yep. if not 80 to 90% of the audience of people watching Atlanta what? is Black. It's a huge, it's like mostly a black, I, and I feel, I feel like it came from a housewife book. I could be wrong, but I think it came from 90%? Brian I think it was from Brian Moylan. I know, book. yeah. I know men, black men who, who were like Atlanta and know about Atlanta because it was a black. Right. Okay. So, so I see a, how. It's such a black show. Yeah. yeah. It is a black show, that, but that, it's also a really good housewives show. It's a great right. housewife show. But I think that just the fact that they have so many like, that they are that they know when they're doing their reunions and talking their their points. I think that they kind of are going into it with awareness of this is probably going to mostly be seen by like mostly black people. Whereas I think the Potomac women are very yes. aware that they have an extremely diverse audience. And I think that as opposed to Atlanta, they are also going to because these are also I mean all the women, not all the women on Housewife are super smart, but I think that Potom- the women in Potomac are very smart. Um, the women in Atlanta are very smart. I think the Potomac women are also approaching it of, we have all these people who watch our shows. I am not going to let you call me a colorist or call me this and slander my reputation with the fans and slander any potential opportunities I have. So you don't even get to say that on the show. Like, I won't even let you say it or make suggestions. Whereas I think in Atlanta, they're like, okay, we're all black. Like, or there's probably people watching, but most people are black. So we can like admit it move on because that's what they said on twitter and you need they're dragging you so what you're going to just keep getting dragged like what are you going to do so it's like just say it and admit it hold accountability and keep moving because i think they know who's watching whereas i think potomac women know who's watching too and it just happens to be that's it a bigger range and i think that makes them more defensive because they're not gonna even if that conversation would happen i don't think it will happen because they're not going to sacrifice like possible business ventures or possible financial opportunities by being called an like is because many people who hear that I don't I'm probably not going to look further into it they're going to say oh you were a colorist on that show and um I'm not going to give you a a business deal with what does Cynthia have a business deal Snapple or something oh yeah oh yeah yeah the Snapple and then Seagram's also Seagram's yeah you're not gonna get the Seagram's deal because you're a colorist and we saw him in the show so and I think that they really think about that what I find really interesting is that and I don't want to speak for all people who are not black but many people who are not black are unaware of colorism as an Mm -hmm. issue I mean, before I started recording, I was explaining to my dad and stepmom, and my dad still has no, he's like, wait, what? Like, black people are rude to each other about the color of their skin. It's not just like, if you're black, you're black. If you're white, you're white. Like, and I was like, yeah, I think it's like a really complex, you know, obviously going back many, many, many centuries, possibly thousands of years over, mm-hmm. you know, how people were treated who had lighter skin versus who had darker skin, right? And he's just like, his like wheels were turning in his head. It's just like the first time this has ever been brought up. I feel like a lot of the audience of Potomac, this is the first time they're 
hearing this kind of conversation. Mm -hmm. Do you think that this kind of conversation tends to be insular within the black community? And you're kind of like, why are all these white people watching us have this conversation? This is embarrassing. You know, is is that maybe why sometimes people don't want to talk about it maybe on the show? I know for me, I don't think it's embarrassing. Sometimes I believe it could shed light on also white people's bias towards lighter skinned people because mm-hmm. Potomac used to be a majority white audience. Black, let's, I'm going to be real. Like a lot of black people started tuning in season five. They heard about this fight from, from a lot of black people that I know. They've heard about this fight. And for me, I think of the way the audience reacts to Candace reacting and what she says, right? And they say, oh, She says she has a big forehead. She says this. I asked somebody, why were you not offended? Why did you not call body shaming when Sheree said about a woman who admitted to have insecurities about her body that she looked like a busted can of biscuits? Because Sheree said this about Drew Mm -hmm. in the confessional. And somebody said, because it was funny. For me, I think it's interesting when you look at Atlanta, there is no Giselle or Robin or Ashley all the Atlanta women are around the same color. So when they shade and say, you look like a busted can of biscuits. And when they say the most outrageous thing to each other, it's, <laughs> but then when you have white people watching Potomac and some white women can see themselves in Giselle and Robin and Ashley, and then you have a Candace or a Wendy come back at them. Not only that, a Candace who actually comes from generational wealth and a black woman that says, yeah, I have four degrees and it's Dr. Wendy to you, sweetie, to a lighter skinned woman. It's, oh my God, how dare Candace say Mia has big hands and big feet. I heard people calling Candace transphobic last year. Giselle also said it. It's not a problem. You heard that this year we're watching Ashley talk about Mia's big feet and confessionals and people are making memes about it. So when it comes to colorism, it's not, I hate this person because they're dark skin. It's yes. Ashley said, Sheree, I'm just going to say what she said. Ashley, uh, Sharice has saggy titties and T-Rex arms and nobody calls it body shaming. The audience reacts differently to Ashley saying it than they would to a Candace saying it. I see what you're saying. I have another follow-up question because you mentioned generational wealth. Um, this is something I've seen in other black cultures. Not, I don't know about the U.S., um, but when I was spending a lot of time in South Africa, I used to live in Cape Town, South Africa, which is a very complex racial city because there's lots of different <laughs> segments of society there. But specific, specifically amongst this like particular black community, People didn't want to leave the township, even though they were making enough money to live outside. And so what they did instead is they would get nicer cars or they would get satellite TVs or things to show their wealth that way. But they didn't want to physically leave, one, because of the community that they had built, but two, because they didn't want people to tell them like, oh, you think you're better than us, right? You think you're white. You think you're whatever other group. And to me, I felt like the people who were most nasty to Candace were black people, uh, audience members who didn't like that she had it easy when it came to money. Do you feel like there's some sort of antagonizing, like, oh, you think you're better because you came from money sort of a thing? Whereas it's, I don't know. 
I don't know if I'm explaining this well, but that was something I was kind of like, why do you guys care? Look at all these other housewives. Some of them come from nothing and build their way up, right? Some come from a lot of wealth. Some marry into a lot of wealth. Some marry into (laughs) royalty, basically. Like Carol Bradswell. Like there's so many. So for me, it wasn't unusual to see a housewife get some privileges because of her mother's money. Like that's just, that's also just life, right? Like if you live in a expensive city, like I do, you can only own if you have parents that are able to help out. And I'm one of those people. And later, as I was able to accumulate more wealth, I pay back, right? But I wouldn't have gotten this place. My friend is wealthy, Sean. Yeah. I need you to cash at me. Something. You know, if my family couldn't be on it. I mean, and and could this happen to, like, for my dad? No. He was an immigrant. Like, this couldn't happen for him. Could it happen for my mom? No. But it could happen for me. And, you know, I, I just think that there's some people whose family is able to set them up and some who can't. And it doesn't mean you're a Nepo baby or whatever people want to call but I know there's a lot of frustration with people who have it easier. But do you feel like there is a specific level of frustration amongst the black community towards Candace for having it easier? I think there's a specific level of frustration with Candace for like multiple reasons. One of them, especially on that cast, I don't know if she would have the same issues as she was on Atlanta. Um, because I think this is where it is the colorism. There's the colorism coming in, but Potomac is also culturally different too, because they started out as like, we are like, I mean, like just <laughs> with a green eye, like educated black people. So they started out with this type of like, it reminds actually I brought these books just to make sure I didn't forget, but there's this book by um, Lawrence Otis Graham, Our Kind of People. And he, I think was a professor, but this is the, just inside of America's black upper class. There's another book, and this is one of my favorite by Margaret Jefferson. She actually wrote a memoir of Michael Jackson. It's super short, only 158, I think 158 pages. And it's the most celebrated memoir, autobiography, excuse me, that they have of Michael Jackson. And she writes about being an upper class black person and what that looks like. I think in terms of Candace, like for the audience, like when they see her, because to me, she's almost like an extension of Hillary Banks, except smarter from like Fresh Prince because she's a bougie black girl. She's a bougie black girl for money. Um, But I think that the way that the audience sees her in real life is like, kind of like, who do you think that you are to kind of behave like this, to be so arrogant, to be so like snobbish or whatever, or um, to be so mean and you have money? Like, who do you think you are that comes from your family? You didn't work for it. Whereas I think, and I think uh, maybe you brought this up in your podcast too, Taria, with like someone like Candy. I don't think that Candy's daughter, I don't think that, um, and oh my God, Riley would get the same type of feedback because I almost think that because Candace is like from this educated black professional elite family, like, and Candy's family is like more like, I guess what you would call like country. She has like money from music, which I would kind of liken to like having NFL money that people almost kind of attribute this type of, uh, I don't know, like mysticism to like this type of money. Like Candace comes with like a cultural baggage that a lot of people, I think black and white and non-white and non-black have a hard time digesting because it's kind of like, 
it's that trope of the uppity Negro. It's like, who do you yep. think that you are to behave like this? Which and once you didn't again, struggle. You didn't struggle. And like, who are you to like, to be like this? And I think that activates things for black people. I think that activates things for white people. Mm-hmm. I think that's why Candace is such a polarizing like figure for black mm-hmm. and white audiences because she's like this uppity Negro trope um, that I think a lot of like uppity Negroes encounter where it's like you're maybe the first black person to move in a white neighborhood i never had that because i grew up in an all-black environment and i didn't go to mixed settings until i was uh until i was in seventh grade and it's kind of where i started going to more mixed settings um but i think you know like you're that black person who's like moving into a white neighborhood so that activates things i think for black people um and it also activates things for white people and I think that Candace is kind of like a representation of that. And I think that really bothers a lot of people um, on a lot of different levels. And I think that that's not always articulated by the audience because they will just say that she's just mean. It's like, she's just so mean and she's just so like snobby or whatever. And it's like, well, to an extent, though, that's the name of the game, right? This is real housewives. Like she's a real housewife. Um, does she hit hard? She totally does. Um, but I also think other housewives hit really hard too. You know, I mean, I'm mm-hmm. not using her things because I think that's the funny and great thing about the housewives is that they're not meant to be like these perfect women. They're meant to right. be like messy mm-hmm. and complicated exactly. and mm-hmm. all these stories. Um, but I do think there is this thing that happens with Candace and how you hear people kind of talk about her, um, that they don't talk about someone like Ashley. And even that whole Oof. thing Ashley, and Candace, and for me, I could deal with Ashley saying things about Candace, but I could not deal with, and pissed me off was Michael calling Candace, like, I think he called her a brat. And I was I, like, he, you have some audacity to some call nerve. this woman a brat when you are literally taking care of a black, another black woman that's living off of your money, essentially. And you're calling her a brat because she inherited her money. And to my understanding, I think, didn't Michael, from what I've read or heard, didn't he yeah. inherit his money? So I'm just like, there's this thing that's I think that Candace is like that thing on her cast for a lot of people. And I think she has just become kind of a lightning rod uh, because of all those factors. I what about them calling? No, no. I, I Everything that you're saying, when you said Candace is a trigger to the white community and the black community, it is almost when you said up in the Negro, that's what it is. Because think back in the days when you had a black person who was sure of themselves. And I don't care if it's all white people in here. I know my place. I know who I am. They looked at them like, what? How dare this Negro think that they're as good as we are? And then you have Candace, who I feel like she came in. Honestly, you know, they say that Ashley is transparent. That's different than being vulnerable to me. Transparent is when you can lay out your situation. This is what it is. But vulnerable is when like you get to the heavy stuff. Candace didn't have to come in and tell us about her mom or have her mom be that big part of the show. But she was open with how she lived. And if you notice, Candace is never the one to talk about money. It's those around her talking Mm -hmm. about it. I think back to season five. Well, let's go a season back before that. Monique's first season. And uh, Stephanie from Mocha Minutes had brought this up before, brought this up uh, in one of our conversations. Giselle and Cal went to Monique's house when she had that barbecue and they talked about her fish tank. And what did Monique do? Told her to leave. Giselle left willingly. What do you think would have happened if Giselle didn't leave willingly? Let's flash forward to season five. 
Candace said, leave my house to Ashley. Ashley kept saying, your mama's house, your mama's house. Wait, that was season four, I think. Yes, season four. I'm sorry. Season four, your mama's house, your mama's house. Now let's go back. Ashley was put out of what was Michael's house season two, as as Karen said, her sweat box. He threw her clothes in the living room and told her to get out. But Candace, being comfortable in a house with her and her mom's name on it, Ashley refused to leave. She came back three times. So now we get the narrative of, I've heard people say she pulled a knife at her. She threw a knife at her. Jennifer Aiden took a handful of silverware and tossed it across the table at Melissa. But that's expected in Jersey and no one says anything. When Melissa wasn't even talking to her, she said, listen, and she tossed, it went across Margaret and she, but nobody talks about that. Right. So I look at how the audience reacts to that. I look at how Ashley insinuated that Monique had a miscarriage because she was drinking. Make no mistake. I made no mistake. And let's go deeper. All the fights that Candace has been in with these women have actually been because she has defended them. When Ashley was saying all that stuff about Monique, who was at Monique's side defending her even at the reunion? When Ashley was going at at Karen when they went to Paris, who her first season was on Karen's side. So I, I feel like it's she's also been placed in this position where she's looking at it like, I'm seeing that this is wrong and this is wrong and I'm reacting this way. Flash forward to this season. Now the audience is like, Candace, get Giselle. She's saying this stuff about your marriage. And Candace is like, wait a minute. I can't do that because I'm going to be treated differently than these women. Candace has also said she doesn't think her cast members are colorists. And see, they won't listen to have that conversation. Ashley going on a video saying, I'm not colorist because I get into it with everyone. Candace also gets into it with everyone, right? But your outcomes are different. And I think that Ashley may not be colorist, but I think she uses her color as currency with the audience. She did a video while she was pregnant with her last son and spoke specifically to people coming into her DMs talking about her dark-skinned castmates. And I'm not going to have it. So then when you use these words... With your darker skinned castmates, after you've made this video, to me, you are choosing to use these words knowing you're going to incite the audience and move on. I have someone told me, I just forget all the nasty things Ashley has done because she's just so pretty. Yeah. A black they're woman all wrote an so article. Pretty. They're all like, a black they're woman. They're all an, wrote, so pretty. pretty. They're unusually pretty. Right. Speaking to colorism and how we see it, a black woman who is biracial wrote an article about season five. And when I was reading it, listen, I was not a Monique's biggest fan just because some 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 people you watch, you like some you don't. Some love Teresa, some love Melissa. That's the way it works. But I did like her and Candace's friendship. But I will say I'm reading this article and I'm looking at what she read, what she wrote. And then I listened to her on a podcast. She looks like Meghan Markle. Her father is black. Her mother is white. No traces of her father anywhere on her account. That doesn't mean that she doesn't have a relationship, but it was all her white family. 
And in the article, she's going at Candace, she's going at Candace. And then she says, Ashley is the standard of beauty. And I thought, that's interesting. And I have seen a lot of white people on social media, and I don't know if you've seen it, say that Candace is jealous because Ashley's so pretty. Giselle has pushed this narrative that Candace mm-hmm. is jealous of Ashley. Now, what would she have to be jealous of? Was it something about the beauty pageant world and one of them winning more? I, I know nothing about it. She didn't mention that. She just okay. pushes that narrative. That idea. And I'm like. Jealousy, which, yeah. None of would, them seem jealous of each other. Of any of, of each other. Uh, Giselle talks about not liking a liar, but sat in her confessional last year and said, we just love Mia. We know she lies, but now what's different about Mia than about I, all these other women? I think they see Mia mm-hmm. and I think a lot of the audience and I think myself sees Mia as someone who lies without trying to hurt anyone, like doesn't lie maliciously. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's something about Mia that just until the situation with Wendy did not feel malicious in any way. And when people don't feel malicious, I let them get away with a lot more. But think about uh, that's when just how I watch <laughs> with the Monique and Candace fight, right? Mm-hmm. And then you go to Wendy and Mia last season. People were riding Wendy because of her reaction to Mia. And there came a point when all these you talk ish get hit people, Mia put her hands in Wendy's face and touched her. Wendy said, don't touch me. And she said, and what are you going to do if I don't? What are you going to do? And I was like, well, where are the calls for her to be dragged? The audience reacts differently to Mia also, I believe, because Mia looks more like Giselle and Robin and Wendy. I mean, Giselle, Robin and Ashley. And people get upset with Wendy for talking about her four degrees. But you don't have a problem. Giselle has only talked about her beauty for seven seasons. That's it. But you don't have a problem with that. I think that um, what we're watching is just like you said, what plays out in the real world. I went to college with a woman who's a little bit darker than Wendy, one of the most gorgeous women I've ever seen. Her teeth were like ice. Her name was Sonia. They're not real. Like your teeth aren't real. They're like beautiful. Her family, she's from um, Harlem. Her family, most of it looked like Ashley and Giselle. And we went home on Christmas break and she comes back to the dorms and we're all showing each other pictures of our family because back then you had to print them. They weren't on your phone. <laughs> and um, she shows us a picture and her grandmother had a baby grand piano and you see all these light skinned cousins. And she's, and then her picture was in the front and she said, yeah, I moved my picture to the front. My grandmother had mine in back of all my other cousins because she prefers the lighter skin grandkids. This is so, so sad. This- for them to act like it's not going on is so frustrating to me. Yeah. Yeah, there there is a lot of that. I, I, yeah, I think there's like factions that have happened in the Potomac like viewership where it's like, it gets so contentious. It really does. And I think that people just feel so defensive. I think that people feel defensive. I think that, and I think Ray Sonny brought this point up. It's like the Black housewives can't like exist like in this messy way because they are rep- they kind of like avatars mm. for, like, black people's experiences and so they don't get they are not kind of like how vicky can exist 
And everyone knows Vicky is like this really like bombastic. Vicky is Vicky. Yeah. yeah. She's bombastic. She's extremely problematic, but she is allowed to exist in this housewife's world with fans who love her, hate her. And ultimately she's kind of settled on as this like kooky woman from Orange County who's problematic. Whereas like some of the black housewives don't necessarily get like they, and this comes also from the black community too. Like they will be described as like evil or like, yes. like dangerous. Because people, people describe Giselle like that too. Like, I mean, granted, I've encountered my fair share of, of preacher folks who are just not the nicest. That is my own trauma is from that. Like, I can't. Um, <laughs> yes. But I mean, yes. just recently at my job where I work in, um, I, I, well, I shouldn't say that. I'm not even going to say that because okay. come back on me. I work in public health, so okay. we work with different organizations, and I, um, yeah, encounter. We'll talk I encounter, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? So you, you go to different places, and one of the religious places, which is more conservative, um, they just have different expectations of how to express yourself. Mm. And obviously, I have a job to do, and obviously, yep. that's a, a place that, you know, you want to keep your contract with so you're going to do it so Giselle for me activates different things with the whole like pastor world type of stuff that I don't yes. particularly like, like but I get it here not there but people you know would describe Giselle or Kenya or Robin as like evil and dangerous and I don't often yeah. see those descriptors for like a Lisa Vanderpump or a Vicky or even a Ramona um like they're not described they call as, them like, manipulative they're like manipulative like all yep. or or just like kooky or problematic and I almost wish that there was not almost I do wish that there was space for that to also exist for the black housewives too without being like labeled like personality traits mm-hmm. so I do think that they are more than that and so that does so sometimes I feel like I want the conversation to be like nuanced, like this conversation, like it's a yes. nuanced conversation and there's layers. And I think of course, just the nature of social media cannot capture all of that, which I think is such a disservice because sometimes I feel like I'll be writing comments back. And then I almost feel like, Oh my God, like I don't want people to think that I don't see any of the horrible things that Giselle and Robin are doing. I just want it to be like this. To really have fun. Big, yeah. You know, I just want it to be this big conversation because they're so many things involved and sometimes I just think the conversation gets so lost and like yeah oh I see what you're saying I thought you meant I'm sorry I interrupted I thought you meant like can we just have a funny moment so I'm just commenting on the funny moment but then people get upset because you're like just trying to comment on a funny moment yeah I mean people get upset and I do sometimes I feel like I'm defending the green eye bandits I'm like I mean one I find them entertaining but I also know that they are problematic entities on the show um but i also think it's interesting how people like digest them too because i would say sometimes in the comments people almost describe them as like they're white women yes um, they do well they that, call yeah well who's describing that bothered, them that way sometimes okay. i think the black audience will yes. call okay. the green eye band is white women and they that do. is bothersome to me especially because you know i have people in my family who are like more of their complexion who are proudly black. And I think that is the layer that would add to that conversation when they're being critiqued, like Robin and Giselle is that these are black women who are proudly black, who are both belong to black Greek organizations who have always identified as being black, who seem to be very black Afrocentric, despite the Afrocentrism being 
somewhat poisoned by some of their um, beliefs that they seem mm-hmm. to hold with their other cast members, but they're still black women. Like they're not, this is not a Kyle Richards and Erica Jane like situation of like their own Potomac. Like these are black women interacting. Mm-hmm. These are black people interacting with other black people. Yes. So I think that that has to be kind of thrown in the conversation too, because sometimes I get, and I just heard this from a content creator I really, really like, and I'm not even going to say it because obviously I'm a nobody in the content world. I don't have my, I just have an Instagram page and a Facebook. I think it. you are somebody. <laughs> Yo, Sean has really good insight as you can hear. So I'm not going to let you, you say that. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. But when I heard this person describe Robin as a white woman, I was like, whoa, like, uh, you can't, hey, I don't like people stripping away people's blackness. Like, I really yes. don't like that. And I think yeah. a part of that is from having a brother who's mixed, who was called, like, wild names as a kid. Yeah. Um, and he was raised by a black mother. We're both culturally, like, black people. Our right. brother has black children. Um, yeah. So it's just like, I think I was that is a good sensitive. Point to that. And so when I heard this person who I think is a very like educated person describe Robin as like a white woman and then kind of use that as like the way that Robin is harmful to Wendy, I was like, well, I don't think that is all true because in this world, once you are acknowledged, regardless of your complexion, once you are acknowledged as a black person, yes. your black experience starts. Like if people can yeah. think that you're a white person, but if you tell them I'm black, and that will break the bubble. Like, those people will never see you again as a white person. I mean, that's just Dr. How... Britton. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. Dr. Britton. I think she's a perfect example. Yep. Like, that just doesn't... Even Meghan Markle, I think there's yeah. a shift of, like, how Meghan Markle was perceived, how she perceived herself. And then Oof. once it's kind of like, oh, no, no, you're actually Black. Like, yeah. okay, now this is different. Like, yeah. you're different now. Um, so... I don't like that narrative that comes out of it either, because I once again think that that kind of also dilutes that colorism. It doesn't dilute it. It just makes it kind of like messier, I think, than need be. Because um, I like Wendy on the show and I do feel bad for And I know I've heard Mandy's perceptions of Wendy, too. And, I, <laughs> Wendy is, and see, for me, I guess this is not like colorism. This is more culture. I like Wendy there because I love that she brings this like Nigerian culture heritage mm-hmm. to the show. That I like. Um, that I, mm-hmm. And I don't think we get down the other shows. I think that's very interesting. I do think that currently Wendy is struggling um, on that show because it doesn't seem like many people want to film with. And I wonder, is it like a is it like the chicken before the egg? Is it like people don't want to film her because she's so unpleasant? I think it's because of last season. I do. Last season. Now she's mm-hmm. like on an island. And yeah. also, does that make her less interesting now that we're not seeing her and like these dynamics with the other women? You know what I mean? Like, and yeah. I actually appreciated her last season because I feel like sometimes with Black women, we don't allow them to be other things. She is educated. She has four degrees. So she shouldn't come at Giselle like that. She is also a human thinking being that has had to live this certain life. And now I'm on a show with these women and they're coming at me because of my husband. At the end of the day, I'm also, and I'm just like a black woman in this world that seemingly has probably always had to fight. And now you think you're going to come and talk about my husband and talk about rumors that we talked about offline. No, I'm giving you a piece and you a piece. And I've heard people say, I just wish she would have read them differently. Why can't she be all of those things? And I always go back to, as a woman who knows what it's like to feel like your hormones are just like, I don't even know 
who I am, what's my favorite food, this, because I've had kids and my body is like this. And now I'm so focused on them to do it eight weeks postpartum. Yes. And to be brought into a situation where the focus is off you. I've, I've seen women, I'm sure you've seen women say, Dr. Wendy owes Monique a fight. Be- I mean, a, an apology because she sided it with the green eyed bandits. And I remember yeah. Wendy having her own conversation with Monique saying, but are you sorry now? Yeah. And Monique said, no. And Wendy was like, I'm done. And I appreciate it. Monique, even though she's still skewing the story just a little bit, but I did appreciate her coming out saying Wendy, who she was, Wendy stood to what she told me she was two years ago. So that let me know there are, there are parts of Wendy that are like any normal, I think woman coming on this show, meaning they listen to the audience and they kind of like change a little bit. I mean, I think that happened with Candace. I think that's why Candace is not coming back so much at these women. And now the audience is wanting her to go rat-a-tat-tat Candace, right? So I feel like Wendy heard it. And like you said, she's kind of like lost a little bit, a little bit. And then also I would have to consider y'all didn't just talked about my husband, these rumors. I don't know if I'm really going to give y'all all of that, but then that's when you have to decide, well, am I going to be a part of this show? Or say to the camera, say to the audience, I'm trying to figure me out. I'm a 40-something-year-old woman who's always followed the path. That's that's exactly what I want to figure it out. Her not saying those things is, for me, I feel like being inauthentic. Yes. And I want her to show up as her authentic self, whatever that is, even if it's not what we saw the first season of her. But I want her to be open and honest with why she tried to come across a certain way or why she puts on a front. That's what I want to hear. I want to hear her real authentic story. Yeah. Um, And so that's why I get opens up a larger conversation. Is it respectability politics? Is it that, you know, it opens up such a a larger conversation. And I, I really hate that people don't get that we can have nuanced conversations like this, because I've had people say to me, oh, you just think about them too deep. Sometimes I like when they argue, like as long as it doesn't go too, you know what I mean? Like too far. And I'm going to be honest, this may be the wrong thing to say. I'm not all up in arms about, do I think they should be hitting each other? No, I don't think anybody should be hitting each other. But I will say if somebody had threw a glass of water at me, I can't promise you that we probably would have gotten into a physical altercation, just me. But what I'm saying is we can have these deep conversations that need to be had by also saying Karen is hilarious talking about she got her live show from Wendy Williams. Girl, what? Like, you know what I mean? You know you didn't get it from Wendy. Not saying you copy Giselle and Robin, but live shows are a thing. So we can laugh at Karen and some of her antics while still saying, well, why are y'all reacting to Candace this way? Like there can be room for both because I've heard people say, well, Housewives isn't fun anymore. And I think it is still fun, It's fun. but I'm not going to discount the issues that we see. On, right. I mean, that's like, so why are you not discounting what Erica Jane did then? If Housewives isn't fun anymore, let's not talk about what she did, right? So it's like people pick and choose what they want to discount, I think. I 100% agree with that. I really think that there's room to talk about everything and there's room for lots of like different opinions and room for lots of things at once. Like you can love Candace for something and dislike other things that she does. There, There's space for all of it. And that's what I'm hoping we can get from this conversation and also just an insight 
into some of the conversations that are happening in the Black community that those of us who are not part of that community but who love these shows are trying to figure out what's happening. I mean, that's, for me, I'll call Taria and be like, everyone seems to be up in arms about this thing that this one of them said, and can you explain to me why it's offensive or why everyone is, like, focused on it? Because I, it's over my head, and I don't, you know, so... I, it's interesting. I think the viewing experience is very different for yeah. the white audience and people who are just like laughing at Karen's antics and kind of moving on from things pretty quickly, yeah. you know, and we don't have the same background where we're watching women behave a certain way and it triggers things from our childhood, right? If I saw yes. a woman tell Jackie from Real Housewives of New Jersey, Oh, but you don't look Jewish. You've blonde hair. That would that would yeah. be rough for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you yes. know those kinds of comments. There's lots of comments about you know being Jewish that I heard growing up that I wouldn't want to watch play out on a show. Right. So, but you, it, it, it's yeah. interesting you say that. It's almost like you watch somebody else make a fool of themselves, but then when it comes to your family, girl, now you know when we get outside, you better not do anything like right. that. So I think it's yeah. like. Black people are watching New York and watching Sonya P in a driveway. And they're like, I wish you would try that. But ha, 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 it's funny. So then when we see it play out in Black housewives, we're like. It's like you're supposed to be an example. Like, no, totally. And when I said embarrassing earlier, I used that term. It's because that's how I feel when Jews argue on Twitter about the Israel-Palestine conflict and (laughs) other issues. And it's like, don't let everyone else watches fight. Okay? Like, (laughs) we're disagreeing and we're arguing back and forth. That's kitchen table talk. (laughs) Because that's what Judaism is. Judaism is constantly asking questions Mm -hmm. and answering with other questions and debating. Like, that. that is what it is based in. The Talmud is all about debate. And so, but to have other people watch, oh, well, I saw this Jewish person say that this wasn't anti-Semitic. Oh, but this person says it is. It's like, oh, please, like, can we we do this away from, like, the goys? Lovely. (laughs) These people watching us. (laughs) I have a question to ask you both. Yeah. Sean, if you had to pick a housewife franchise, for Mandy to be a part of, where would you put her? And Mandy, if you had to pick, say they were introducing men to the shows like full time, where would you like to see Sean based on what you know of him? I would say for Mandy, based on what I know from listening to Mandy's podcast um, every Sunday, I would I would, I don't know. I kind of want to say New York. I kind of want to say okay. New York. I do want to say the New reboot. York. I'll, I'll stand in for Lizzie. No, the, I wouldn't say the reboot. <laughs> I wouldn't, no, I wouldn't. I'd say old school New York um, because I do think that you bring like the intellectual, like, I, I think there's an intellectual, like, person needed on. I, Roni is one of my favorites on this. It's like my top three is Atlanta, Potomac, and Roni. Cheers uh, with my water. Cheers. <laughs> yeah, those are like my favorite. So I think that Roni works best in my opinion when it's like kind of like a really smart person, like a Carol. Um, Aviva, I guess, was really smart too. I guess she was kind of like a lot, but I liked it on the show when she was there. Personally. 
Um, but yeah, I think Roni. I would say Roni because I think they need a smart person who's there. I think I also like when New York has like someone who is Jewish. Like I miss the Jill Zarin aspect. Yeah. I, honestly, I know people said that she wouldn't fit into like where Roni was before it was taken off. But I, I, I disagree. I kind of feel like she could have always kind of fit into the background, like doing stuff. I mean, is she going to get into fights? No, but I do like her kind of walking around, saying things to people, talking about what she's buying. I think it's very like entertaining. And I also think that she was like really smart too, in a lot of ways that the audience and the cast did not give her credit for. Yes. That she would point out things that they were doing. It's like, yeah, that is happening. Like y'all acting like fools. Like, what are you talking about? Yep, totally. Um, I, I would say, I would say men mean, I would send Manny to Atlanta because I think she would have so much fun. <laughs> I would and laugh I think she would be so loose. <laughs> and I would also love to see the black and Jewish conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is a lot that could happen mm-hmm. with that. So but I like Roni Sean, too. I, and I'm not just saying this because you live in Florida, but I feel like Miami. Oh, I would have fun with Miami. Yeah, yes. I think you would yes. have fun. You would also keep people a little bit calm. Yes. There's not enough of a calm presence on Miami. Like everyone is very kind of like popping off, and there's just a lot happening. Especially this season, there's a lot of yeah. emotion, right? And it brings up oh. emotion in other people. And yes, I think you could keep a level head, but still have fun and be funny and i think i'm going to be a little bit vain here i agree with all mandy said but i think aesthetically yeah you also bring greatness (laughs) to miami as well (laughs) thank you they're they're beautiful yes oh you would fit oh my god we're okay mandy i know you know somebody that knows somebody we gotta make this happen we gotta make this happen we got we gotta get a guy on miami um, well, Alexia has her friend that's always following her around. That guy that's always there in the background. Oh, I was thinking Marisol. <laughs> oh my god! I honestly, okay, problematic fave. I actually Marisol's my favorite person from the cast. Probably second to no, Gertie's my favorite person from the Mine cast. Too. Gertie's great. Marisol. Yeah, yeah. Can, I, like can I? In I know we have to go, but in like, okay, like a minute. Can I? What is y'all read on Kiki? Because I, I think she's gorgeous, but I'll, I. I mean, of course, she got the drama started at, at Lars's, like she did what yes. she's supposed to do. But <laughs> I don't know, and maybe she didn't know what this. I was watching her face when Lisa was uh, talking about Lenny, and like she was just kind of like, you know, all the women were like, and yeah. I was like, oh, maybe she doesn't respond well because sometimes you don't know what to do. Almost like a candy, like uh-huh. if Candy were oh, to start I- crying, I might be like, I don't know because she doesn't know. Like you know, I mean, the way Candy responds to people crying, Candy's kind of like. I don't know what I'm doing here. What is your read on? Yeah. So what is I your didn't read on see Kiki? this yet. I know it's coming, obviously. But it's, Kiki... it dropped. Oh, the reveal. Yeah. Is this the newest episode or the yeah, one? Yeah, the newest just... episode dropped. Oh, so, so yeah. I'm going to save that for yeah. tonight. Okay. I'm going to watch it over the next few days. But Kiki, I think, I don't know. There's definitely something where she's sometimes confused I think yes. by people's behavior, yes. but yes. honestly, I find it so relatable yeah, like, because these women will act one way. Like 
I haven't gotten to this point in the series yet, but mm. Lisa keeps going overboard about how great, what a great position her and Lenny are in. Yes. There, you know, there's ups and there's downs. She says it multiple times to multiple different people. She's trying to create a narrative. Now, when I hear that, I think, oh, there's problems because people who are happy don't have to explain that they're happy to everyone. It yes. just kind of shows. Yes. But other people may take what she's saying at face value and be like, wait, I thought they were in the best place of their marriage that they've ever been. Why is this going on? You know? And now she's the victim. I've heard that discussion too, like that she maybe knew uh, what was going to happen. So going in, she made sure everyone knew they were in a good place. So that way, when the bomb dropped, she would then be perceived as, I'm like, who would put themselves through that emotionally? I, like, I don't agree with that. Me I think neither. people are really nasty and they want to come up yeah. with all kinds of reasons why some people deserve or do not deserve sympathy. Yes, yeah. you're, you're, you're exactly uh, right. When at the uh, end of the day, I want Lenny walking naked down the middle of Miami past Versace for the things that he's trying to do to her. Yeah, he's yeah. And for how bad he makes Russian I mean, Jews Naked look. in a bad way. Oh, he, he's Russian? He's he literally his family emigrated to the United States the same year as my dad. So I tried to reach out to him to interview him about his immigration situation and what where he's I'm assuming he stayed in Italy like my dad did. There's another listener that I talked to that stayed in the exact same town in Italy where my dad was. Because all the Jews that were getting out of the Soviet Union were processed through a, a place in Europe. Because and then to figure out if they could go to the U.S. or they could go to Australia, they could go to Israel, um, because they were all leaving as refugees with no citizenship. That's that's and, amazing. Yeah. That's cool. So I wanted to hear his family story because I watched last January seasons one, two, and three of Miami, and yeah, so okay, I yeah, was that, like, yeah, "Oh did. my gosh, that, like this is so interesting." And then two days after I sent the DM to him, and I was like, also like, "Hi, Lisa, if you're reading this DM." You know, because she said she did. Um, I was like, I'm really interested in your family story. And then two days later, the stuff broke in the tabloids about him cheating. So obviously, um, he never got back to me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I've never reached out to a Bravo Leb to ask them to be on my show before like that. And him, I did. Well, maybe you could talk to his mother. I feel like people would be interested in hearing. I'm fascinated with that woman. Me too. I actually I think she's so interesting. I think she's super interesting. I, and I think yeah, she I, knew about her son. She, I honestly think she probably did. And honestly, even if she did, because I, I think, and I know I don't want to hold anybody longer than they can be here, but I do think, I, I think that, that Watch What Happens Live when uh, they're interviewing Lisa, and she was saying that he, she's kind of back on her son's side, but I kind of am sympathetic. I'm empathetic to the mother just because I also think that she's probably thinking one, she said that no one in their family gets divorced. And then two, she's also thinking she wants to see her grandkids. Like she, I think is maybe in a, she's in an awkward position because I mean, my mother is in that situation before mm. too. I mean, yeah. God rest her soul, but you want to preserve your relationship with the grandkids. So you don't want to be too contentious. If yes. there's like a separation happening with partners, you're right. Um, so you're kind of playing both sides because you don't want anybody to feel any type of way. And it is ultimately your child. So you're kind of yeah. going to have a bias for your child and then you want to see your grandkids. So you've got to kind of play nice. 
with the woman, even oh, if you don't totally. like her. Yeah, I, mean? I agree with yeah, that. Too. All people, you're going to be right. nice with everyone. Yeah, so you can, nice. yeah, and also right. so that you can show that to the kids that people exactly. can lead with kindness and understanding kindness, yeah, and treating people well, because the way that yeah. they're witnessing this is they're watching oh their parents God. tear each other apart. Yeah. Yeah. And because people are dragging them on. No? I was like, well, I, I think that pe- there's not enough respect for grandparents in the midst of like, at all. Separation. Oh, that must be so I tough. Think it's so so tough. complex. So I was yeah. like, eh, I, I wouldn't drag her. I think that she's in a no. My God, this poor like, woman. Like, <laughs> and maybe the grandmom can be the kid's stability. Sometimes when the yes. parents are just, ah, it's like you know, yeah. Um. Well. We're getting to the end of our time. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for being on this podcast. I Thank appreciate you. it more than you can ever know. And that you allowed me to be part of this conversation and come into it with my lack of understanding um, and curiosity. So I appreciate that. Um uh, please tell me both where we can find you. Um, Sean, I know the listeners have not heard you before. If you want to share your social media info, I'm sure they would <laughs> love to reach out to you. Sure. Well, thank you um, for having me on, Mandy. It was really nice to talk to you, meet you, and also you, Taria. So it's really nice to be here. Um, and if anyone's interested in following me on Instagram, you can follow me at um, Sean Said It. That's S H A U N S A I D. IT at Instagram. And we'll see if you want to hear my thoughts or see pictures of me and my friends around Tampa or just <laughs> the random thoughts I have about TV shows because I watch a lot of TV. And please feel free to follow me. I love that. And I'm glad. Thank you, Mandy, for having us on together. So now I can um, blow up uh, Sean's Instagram. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> No, I appreciate um because you know when you talk to people and and then it pricks your thought and then you have another thought and then the conversation just gets so oh. good you're at 9:27 and you're <laughs> like oh I had to be off 5 minutes ago. But thank you so much for having us. I'm W E I G O podcast at We Go Podcast on Instagram, Twitter. Um I'm trying TikTok out but just don't follow me there yet because I haven't quite just I have like three videos. Um, and then the podcast, what else is going on? Everywhere podcasts are found. Amazing. Thank you guys both. I feel like I need to have you both on again because this was so fun. I know. So I, we I, should I, do this oh. maybe around uh, reunion time for <gasps> Potomac because yeah. I feel like there's yeah. going to be a lot of really interesting conversations My at the reunion. <laughs> no, oh my God. it's gonna be so contentious. Yes, I feel nervous. Like, we'll I don't make like it fun. Reunion. We'll make it fun. Okay, <laughs> yeah. okay thank you guys yes, so much. You.